you're interested in running for school board, magistrate, or even state representative, you need Get Elected. From campaign websites and printed materials to platform development and strategy, Get Elected helps down-ballot Republican candidates reach more voters and win more elections on a tight budget. Visit GetElected.org to learn more. Good afternoon, Pittsburgh. Welcome back to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM, the Republican Committee of Allegheny County's new show to talk to you about politics, more politics, and even more politics. Folks, if you don't get your fill during the week, tune into us on Saturday afternoons because we're sure to take and give you some more. But we have more of a local focus than the others, and that's where we think our value comes in. And we appreciate you listening. You know, drop us a line, let us know, you know, what you think of the show and what you'd like to hear, future guests and things like that. You could submit it on the website at www.allegheny.gop. I'm here today with John Schneider, the executive director of RCAC. Hey, John, what an election, right? Yeah, unprecedented. I'm telling you, uh, you know, folks, we thought we'd be giving you a show today and we'd be able to sit there and run through results. But yet here we are. It seems like with this new mail-in balloting that it seems to take forever. You know, I tell people, help me understand how for over 100 years, we were able to hold elections on election day, and we all know who the winner was on election night. And now we have this system here, and it's like election week. Folks, who thinks this is better? I certainly don't. John, what's the feedback you get? Well, I think this is kind of the new norm here. Um, it's crazy. 1.3 million uh, ballots were cast in the Republican primary on Tuesday, and we still don't have a clear winner in the U.S. Senate race here. And I think people are kind of annoyed. Uh, I wouldn't say... Uh, Maybe angry here, but I would just say kind of annoyed here that we don't have more of a clear-cut vision of uh, who won on Tuesday. That's a great point. Let me help our listeners understand where these outstanding ballots are within the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and what we're waiting for, okay? In Allegheny County, 261,614 registered voters voted, and right now what we're waiting for are them to take an upload the results from 31 precincts from election day vote in where the judge of elections, when they returned their pull bags, had not included the, the, the memory stick. So hopefully that, uh, if that isn't up on the website now, it'll certainly be up by Monday, Monday morning. Okay. In Allegheny County, they were able to count all of the mail-in and absentee ballots that came in as well as military and overseas that had all been delivered by 8 p.m. on election night, all of those were open, processed, and counted on election day. So we had all those results on election night. So uh, as far as the mail-in ballots at the processing center, they did a good job there. Can't say the same about out there for the election day votes out here at all the different precincts. 1,323 precincts, 6,600 workers, and I think I heard from most of the precincts and many of the workers on election day because they were running out of ballots. Now, as the Republican councilman, you know, at large here in Allegheny County Council, you know, that makes sense that Republicans are going to call Republicans. But all I heard all day was this place was running short of ballots. This place was running out. This place was running short. This place was running out. They were talking about they were afraid people were going to be turned away. You know, I had contacted elections. They said to have the folks vote on the ADA compliant machines. When I went to my poll to actually vote, it was after lunch. I went about two o'clock in North Fayette. Uh, the poll at the time, they were out of Republican ballots. 
So I had a vote on the ADA compliant machine, the uh, ESNS's express vote. Now, it's similar to the old computerized machines we used to vote on, where you get the screen and you have to pick it, but it takes a little bit of time. So after I did that, I was talking to the judge of elections. They said they had called down to the county earlier, and they, they're waiting to find out where is this help. So I called. I wasn't able to get uh, any answers as to where the driver was, when they would be there. And then I heard up at the community center in North Fayette, there were two other polls that were out of ballots. So I actually called the county and said, am I allowed? Can I come in and pick up ballots? So I actually went in to the warehouse on Tuesday and picked up ballots and delivered them to five precincts out there in North Fayette. Folks, <clears throat> this should not have to happen. This, there, was a, there were some tremendous mistakes made, and we need to get to the bottom of it. But I can tell you this, it wasn't specific to Republicans only. Because when I went in there, uh, I, my counterpart, uh, the Democrat at large, uh, Councilwoman, told me she'd been fielding calls all day. When I talked to the folks at elections, they had the information there. And they had run short. In the aftermath of this, in the conversations I've had with some folks, what has happened? Why did this happen? They said they had gone back and looked at the turnout models from the last three primaries that had given them an idea of what to estimate the turnout for this one would be. But there were folks that were concerned about the waste, you know, ballots being thrown away because these things cost money to be printed. So those folks got involved and cut the numbers that they were going to order down. And this is what took and caused a lot of the problems. And I can tell you there are meetings going on, uh, have been going on all week after this because this has given the county a black eye. John, we know that as far as the Republicans are concerned, a large segment of the Republican base, you know, since 2020, doesn't trust the elections process, okay? These folks still believe that there was either fraud or the thing was rigged, or whatever it may be. What happened here on Tuesday doesn't take and help matters, and that's why we need to get to the bottom of it. Can you tell me about any of the calls that you were fielding? Because I know you were passing some on to me. Oh, yeah, I was texting you nonstop. I mean, you were doing it all on Election Day. I mean, I wouldn't expect you to be picking up ballots and, and driving out to North Fayette to, to drop them off. I didn't know that was part of the role of the uh, of a county council member. But we've uh, we've received a lot of calls. We've received a lot of emails here. People are suspecting that the or so saying you know that the Democrats were trying to suppress Republican votes in some of these counties. And I kind of assured them that there there wasn't, and that that this happened on both sides here. But there's just a lot of anger, and it kind of goes back to your point that people really just don't trust the system uh, moving forward. And, and, you know, that's a that's a great point. And I think a lot of folks don't trust the system because they don't know how the system works, okay? Correct. Like, for example, I know uh, the other day on Thursday, I was given a uh, an email, sent an email by someone uh, that pulled an article from one of the right-wing websites, uh, gatewaypundit.com. And they're talking about how Allegheny County, they're trying to steal the election from Oz, Okay. <clears throat> because they're not counting votes. Mm. You know, Pennsylvania statute in law after election day, you know, you're not allowed to take and start to count uh, these other provisional ballots and things like that for three days. You know, so we we can't swear in what they call the return board until 9 a.m. on Friday, which was yesterday, to swear those folks in and, and, and then allow them to do their work, which is to take and uh, – look at the provisional ballots. 
they check, they'll look up, and they'll see, hey, for example, if a provisional ballot came in for Sam DeMarco, mm-hmm. they'll look and say, okay, Sam DeMarco, is he registered as a Republican? What ballot did he use? It's North Fayette. Did he vote by mail? You know, and only after they've done all these checks will they then okay whether that ballot can can count or not, right? So that's what they're doing right now. Now, they're also taking, and on, on election night, 31 precincts, the memory sticks didn't come back. Uh, elections has gotten 21 of those, and the other 10 machines have come back into the warehouse. They're pulling those. So like I said, if those aren't up there now, they'll be up there. The results of those will be up on Monday morning. So the only thing left is the provisional ballots. They had approximately 1,900. There were 28 military ballots when I last checked, and there were approximately 140, 143 overseas ballots. Now, that's combined, so that's a bipartisan mix, Republican and Democrat. I don't have a party breakdown on those, but uh, you know that they'll get processed. And military and overseas voters, they have until 8 p.m. next Tuesday to return their ballots for them to be counted. So, you know, it's a long and laborious process, and many of our listeners have learned more about elections than they care to know, right? I mean, hey, they got lives to lead, right? Families, kids to raise, and things of that nature. But unfortunately, when uh, things like this happen, you know, it gets uh, people become concerned. They start to look into it, and hopefully we can shed a little bit of light on it, you know, and uh, uh, that's what we're here to do. So um, I think uh, I think our listeners, if they have any questions, they should either give the elections office a call, 412-350-4500, or if it's related to us or something they'd like us to do, to give us a call at 412-458-0068. And that's the Republican Committee of Allegheny County. So, John, what do you think? You think we're going to have a recount here? Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I think that it has to be within under 0.5%, and I think we're clearly under that margin. Well, absolutely. Well, I think both the candidates are happy if there's going to be a recount that the state's going to pay for it, and they don't <laughs> have to, right? Yeah. I mean, and, Unlike I other mean, states. Who would have thought in this race where you had all the millions of dollars that were spent, you know, with these two uber-wealthy candidates, okay, that it would come down to here we are, like you said, with 1.3 million votes cast, and there's only a 1,200 vote margin, you know, separating the two. Is that unreal or what? It's unreal. I mean, every vote matters. You know, we hear that all the time, but this is a great example as as to why every vote matters. It absolutely does. You know, so I'm uh, I'm interested. I can tell you that I've spoken <clears throat> with the folks in the McCormick campaign, and while both ca- campaigns say and remain positive, and they both believe that they're going to win. The McCormick campaign feels that they have a great chance that they expect to win here because they've been taking and exceeding what their expectations were regarding uh, their percentage of the mail-in and absentee ballots. And uh, as of yesterday, there was like 29,000 still left to be counted throughout the Commonwealth, and they expect that number and the margin that they get from that to take and give them the lead and eventually the victory here in the U.S. Senate race. So we'll see what happens. But enough about the Senate race. Let's talk about the governor's race. Oh, my gosh. And, John, we roll into this thing, you know, two weeks ago with nine candidates in the race. Nine, 
right? I mean, it's yeah. almost like, I mean, hey, if I go to a restaurant, I can't pick out what to eat if there's nine things on the menu, okay? So, but we're supposed to pick from nine candidates. Nine candidates were, you know, six or seven too many. What do you think about that? It was a large field. Again, I don't believe we've had such a large field in any election, in any Republican primary uh, in a long time. Uh, I was doing a little history, and the last time we actually had this many candidates in a statewide Republican primary was 2010 in the lieutenant governor's uh, race. And, and that pretty much broke uh, geographical, where every, you know, every candidate kind of won their, their local area. But this is kind of a lot different than 2010 here. We had no uh, endorsed candidate from the state party here, and it was, it was up for grabs. But uh, I'm shocked by Master Aaron, how his margin of victory of uh, winning by 24 points to his closest, can- or closest opponent is uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, he certainly, uh, uh, Doug Mastriano, certainly uh, his folks showed up on Election Day. And I think a lot of the undecideds, may have broken for him. I do too. Uh, what we saw here, I think, is he had a number of the candidates basically ran out of money. Uh, Dave White, who's appeared on our show last week, uh, Dave White was a great guy. His commercials were excellent. They had been done by John Braybender. But uh, a lot of the money that he spent in his campaign ended up being spent up front. And in the last month, you know, he really didn't have the funds to be able to stay up on air. And I think that hurt him. And you saw his uh, share drop there. <clears throat> I think with uh, uh, Senator Mastriano, I think the millions of dollars that the Democrats spent, <laughs> you know, Josh Shapiro was running commercials for him and mailers. I got two myself. I think those certainly helped you know, boost his image because while they were supposedly, and folks, you for you listening, I'm holding up my fingers in quotation marks here, and they were supposedly uh, anti, they're supposed to be negative pieces. They touched on all the core values of the Republican Party and all the things that we all agree on. You know, we're pro-life. We're pro-Second Amendment. We believe that there's a need for election reform and that Act 77 should be repealed. You know, all these things that we're talking about here, those are all values or in principles that were shared by all the nine candidates. You know, so what it came down to was who could best represent our folks in the fall. And the voters decided that it was going to be uh, Senator Mastriano. So we're going to see what happens here. But uh, he is indeed our nominee. And RCAC, the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, is here to support him. And, uh, you know, we're going to wait. Whatever he needs, we'll certainly work with him to assist him as he takes on Josh Shapiro this fall. For you folks just tuning in, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. Now, John, one of the other things that I was excited to see is we had this plethora of candidates in the lieutenant governor's race as well. And who won? Allegheny County's own Carrie Lewis Del Rosso, state representative from House District 33. I was very pleased and very happy to see uh, Carrie come along with that win on Tuesday night. Yeah, I was quite surprised, too, winning with 26% here. Uh, you know, we all kind of took a pool at the office who we thought would win here. And a few people uh, picked her, but um, a lot of people thought Clary Schillinger would win carrying, like, the eastern counties uh, outside the, the suburb counties outside Philadelphia. But, I mean, 26%, that's a huge margin, uh, you know, winning 10% over uh, Allegheny County's own Rick Saccone. Uh That was impressive by Carrie. Well, and, you know, Carrie, you know, I don't know if you're back. Carrie's originally from Scranton. Yes, so she's from the Northeast, and uh, she was a cheerleader in high school, as she always reminds us. And then she came here 
and attended the University of Pittsburgh. Correct. Where she decided to stay after you know college and you know, get married, raise a family, and uh, start a business. And uh, she's a very energetic, very uh, ebullient. You know what I mean? She's always uh, you know, very just very up and happy, but very determined and hardworking. And it certainly paid off with her on Tuesday night. I was trying to get her for the show, but she's busy campaigning already. We'll get her on a future show, but uh, we look forward to helping her as she moves forward into her campaign for November. Now, we got a lot to talk about in regards to our House candidates here. Natalie Mihalik, State Representative in House District 40, Bethel Park, Upper St. Clair, part of Peters Township. She She roared to a resounding victory on Tuesday, defeating her challenger in her primary, and she looks primed to go on to win in November. Yeah, no, no, uh, she doesn't have an opponent from at this point. What about write-ins there, John? Now, that could be an issue, too, there. They only need to get 300 write-ins to uh, have a name on the ballot in the November election here, but uh, we don't have that information at this moment. Right. I, I, for the folks that are listening, if anyone was interested in understanding, write-in candidates, you have the option, if you've missed filing petitions or missed that deadline to get on the ballot, you can run what's called a write-in campaign, and get people to write in your name, you know, for that office. If you get the same number of votes that were required for the petition, for example, if the petition requires 300 signatures and you're able to get 300 votes, then you will indeed appear on the ballot for that uh, office there in the November election. Well, we should probably touch on the Republican writing candidates that we're aware of here. We had Tony Marino. Uh, our former uh, Pittsburgh uh, mayor candidate in 2021 was running a writing candidate in Senate District 42. That's Wayne Fontana's district. Um, we have Pat Tilka uh, down in Mount Lebanon. She was running a, uh, a writing campaign in uh, House District 42 as well. And we had, uh, last but not least, uh, Matt Kruth, who is the uh, committee chairman in Ross Township. He was running a writing campaign in House District 20, which is Ross, Avalon, and Bellevue. And, and it's important. Why Folks will say, well, why are you running writing candidates? <clears throat> folks, as we try to build this committee and try to bring competitive two-party system here to Allegheny County, it's important that we pre- pre- present candidates for our voters to vote for, okay? They need to see Republicans represented on the ballot because if they don't, they think the party doesn't exist. Also, from a strategy standpoint, you know, we want Democrats to have to play defense. So if we have a write-in candidate and they're able to get on the ballot, then that means that that Democrat incumbent has to spend time and resources defending their seat instead of being able to take and send that money somewhere else where it can be used to attack our Republican incumbents. So there's a strategy to all of this. And uh hope it's not, you know, too inside baseball for you, but just wanted to share a little bit about what we're doing there. Now, John, we had some other great seat, uh, great races. Let's see. <clears throat> we had some upsets. I think, uh, was it the uh, 39th District, State Senate District, or State House District? Uh, State Representative Mike Piscaric, I believe, lost. I believe so, too, yes. To Andrew Kuzma, you know, in this primary. Uh, we, you know, we'll have to have Andrew on a future show to talk to him. We had State Representative Lori Mizgorski, who's now running for the State Senate seat in the 38th Senatorial District. Currently, uh, the incumbent is Lindsey Williams. But Lori was in a tight primary, or what 
initially looked like the tight primary, but she really roared to a significant victory in that. I want to congratulate uh, Lori, you know, on her win the other night. <clears throat> Cindy Kirk, my former colleague on County Council, uh, Cindy stepped down a couple months ago from, from County Council to run for the new State House District 30 in the North Hills and uh, absolutely crushed it on Election Day. I mean, she did a phenomenal job. Look forward to her being on the ballot in November and look forward to sending her to Harrisburg. Very excited about, uh, uh, you know, about her. Um, where she's at. Yeah. <clears throat> Valerie Gatos. Valerie Gatos won out here. House District uh, 44. Four. That's uh, my district. She's my state rep. And uh, we had a number of other folks that ran. Uh, Mike Pendell. Mike Pendell's a young guy, medical equipment salesperson. Uh, but he's running in House District 45 against the current incumbent, Anita Kulik. Very excited to have Mike on the ballot. Yeah, young Looking guy. He's having, yep. a, he's having his kickoff on Tuesday. Yep. And then uh, so we have a few more. John, who else do we have? Who's running uh, against the um, uh, DZ? I know Ed Broski. Oh, Ed Broski won his primary. Yeah. yeah, he won his primary, I think, by 12 points. Okay. <clears throat> That's great. Ed, I don't know if you may not know this, but I played semi-pro football for Ed Broski. He was the coach and owner of Pittsburgh Colts one time. I didn't even know you played semi-pro football. Yeah, you know, I, I left Pitt. Uh, well, after the Marine Corps, when I got in the Marine Corps, went to school, went to Pitt, and I walked on at the University of Pittsburgh. So I was there back in 1980. I was a freshman. You know, when Danny Marino was a sophomore, it was one of the known as one of the greatest pit teams ever. <clears throat> so I don't feel bad about never seeing the field, except in the JV yeah. games. Okay. But uh, so I ended up getting hurt, leaving school. A couple years later, I decided to want to, you know, everybody dreams. You want to give something a shot. So I thought that semi-pro football might have been a way to try to get a shot in, you know, the NFL or things like that. And at the time, this is when the USFL was coming on the scene. So Ed sold us that, uh, you know, that the genesis of the roster for the Maulers, the Pittsburgh Maulers, was going to be the folks for the Pittsburgh Colts. So, <clears throat> you know, so I played for those guys, uh, played for a year, had a lot of fun, you know, got to see a lot of uh, West Virginia. We'd go to uh, Charleston. Uh, we went to Canton. We play uh, Chambersburg here. You know, we just, uh, it, it was a good time, but it was more like, I'm trying, it was more like football misfits. <laughs> okay, an actual, you know, a real, uh, you know, real football there. Uh, but so anyway, it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, so I, I do know Ed. I'm glad to see him. His father was a judge. So I'm glad to see Ed getting into politics here and uh, look forward to see what he can do, you know, this November. Who else do we have? Ted Thompson from the 33rd. Yeah, Ted. Uh, Carrie Lewis Del Rosso, after knocking off, the Democrat minority leader in the House, Frank Dermody, in 2020. Impressive. Yeah, my gosh. He'd been in office 30 years. And she comes along and knocks him off. <clears throat> so what do they do? During the redistricting commission, they basically draw her out of her seat. So Ted Thompson, you know, he stepped up and decided that he was going to run in the new district. And we look forward to Ted. We think he has an excellent chance, you know, out there in 33. I think we have uh, Frank Perman. Yep. Frank Perman was at 21. 21, correct. 21. So, yeah, so I think one of the things to be excited about, you know, one, we're doing this radio show, okay? And this is to sort of expand our presence, let people know the Republican Party is alive and well in Allegheny County, you know? And then also, we want, we're fielding candidates. 
We're trying to put as many candidates out there as we can. This combined with the fact that we're recruiting these candidates, uh, this is what's going to take and revitalize the Republican Party in this region and uh, you know, hopefully move us going forward. I have a lot to, more to say after the break, and uh, we'll move now. Catch you coming back after the break. Republican committees, large and small, trust get elected to help them reach more voters, find more volunteers, and raise more money. All to get more conservative candidates elected to important down-ballot positions. And all for less than most of us pay for cable. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Folks, welcome back to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. Hey, John, we got a caller in today. Caller, I have on the phone our Lieutenant Governor nominee, Carrie Lewis Del Rosso, State Representative in the 33rd State House District. Carrie, welcome to the show. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here on this sunny day in Western Pennsylvania. Well, no we're, well we're happy to have you here, you know? So, so hey, tell me, how did it feel on election night to learn that you were going to be the nominee for lieutenant governor for the Republican Party here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? I have so much excitement, so much positive energy, and I'm just honored. I'm honored to be the next Pennsylvania Republican um, lieutenant governor nominee. This is a big deal, and for especially especially for where Pennsylvania is going right now and all the opportunity that I see um, let's do this. Let's win. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled. Thrilled. Well, I'm excited for you. I mean, I saw you uh, last Sunday at a Get Out the Vote event in Bethel Park, and you were yeah. telling people, and you told me, you said, I'm going to win this. We're going to win this. And you know what? I had no doubt. For the first time I met you, uh, your determination, you know, your, 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 your can-do attitude, your work ethic, you know, you, you've been nothing but an exceptional candidate can't tell you how proud we are to have you here as our representative from Allegheny County. Thank you for stepping up and running. And and thank you very much for all the support that I got from Allegheny County, Allegheny, Westmoreland. I got, I've got a ton of support all over the state. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't declare that I was running until the middle of January, um, which people saw that as a, oh, how, how she's never going to be able to do this. And in four months, I ran the state. I didn't get to every county, but now my job is to get to the counties that I missed. But I got to the voters and boy, oh boy, I saw it in their faces that they wanted someone that could fight for the working class and, and, and get people out to vote. And that's what I did. Um, I got to people just like I got to people in the district by, you know, knocking off the 30 year incumbent. I got to 13,000 doors and I had to get to the, the same thing statewide in the counties. <laughs> well, you know, I was talking about you earlier in the show and I was talking about how you were born from Scranton. You were from Scranton originally. Then you came here, went to college, and then stayed to raise a family and start a business and things like that. But, uh, you know, you always say, hey, I'm a, I'm a little girl from Scranton, you know, and, and, and you were going to take and do this, and you certainly did. Now, one of the so, things— and, and being from Lackawanna County, too, I mean, that's a, that's a predominantly Democrat area, which, again, I think we got people out to vote up there, but I think also you're going to see in the general— the swing voters that will come from there because of how much family and, and how much connections I have back my roots are back from there. So that's good. <laughs> no, it's exciting. And, you know, and, and Carrie, one of the unique things about you is you really represent the new Republican party. Okay. Donald Trump made tremendous inroads when he reached out to the forgotten man and woman here, you know, the blue collar worker 
the you know the building trades guy, the folks who used to have a manufacturing job before NAFTA and free trade, you know, caused those factories, you know, to move overseas and leave us here in Pennsylvania. But you have developed a fantastic relationship with the folks in labor, you know, and I know that they're big supporters and you representing them. I, I really think you're like on the vanguard, okay, of this new movement here in regards to the Republican Party and, uh, you know, this shift. I mean, Republican Party is not the country club Republicans any longer. We're the working man and woman's party. Wouldn't you say that? I would totally agree with you. And, you know, what you brought up, too, about the, the trade unions is that trade union members are Republicans. They have um, they have the jobs in the energy field. They, they, they do protect their environment. They, they are it, it is a different kind of Republican that people do not see because, you know, back, you know, years ago, the, the Republicans were essentially union Democrat unions. It was different. It was just different. Now you have you have more people there coming out of the out of the woodwork and saying no. You know we want the same thing. We don't want high gas prices. We don't want inflation. We want to be able to go to the grocery store and not spend six dollars and forty nine cents on a box of cheeses. Um, it's these are these are life family family sustaining jobs are created by you know working class people and working class are becoming the working poor. So they want an answer, and and I think the Republicans can really help them with this. So that's that's the other reason why I ran. You know, I see things from the ground up, and we need to keep fighting for for our people. No, absolutely, Carrie, and we appreciate you out there leading that battle and in that fight, try to protect these folks. Now, let me ask you this question: um, Should you be elected the next lieutenant governor and go to Harrisburg with the governor? Uh, what would Two are the three biggest things that you would think you would want to work on or you think need to be done first. Well, um, I think that we need to become one of the best states and not the world leader in energy. Um, this is that's the crisis that I think we're seeing right now is that we're paying too much um, for even our electricity. So I think that we can we can really push forward on that. Um, I think that I'm hoping that the governor um, would would allow me to kind of be on an educational task force as well. We've got a we've got an education system that needs an overhaul. Um, we do have too many school districts, I think, right now, and I really believe that kind of looking at our our programs and making sure that our return on investment with property taxes is, is important as well as, you know, the spiral and violent crimes that we've been seeing. Um, And we've got to put a stop to that. We have to protect our law enforcement jobs um, and our police who are going out and doing a job right now and making sure that we are gaining more of that first responder police mentality um, in in our K-12 programs. Um, Kids today don't want to serve. Um, and again, you protect your community and you and you have safe communities and you and you go to work every day, then you have a functional economy. And I think you're going to see someone like me help at that level um, as being the second in charge. Um, I, and, you know, Sam, I I work relentlessly. I hope to do the same as, as the um, lieutenant governor. Well, I have a lot of faith, a lot of confidence in you, Carrie, and I'm certain that you will. If someone wanted to help your campaign, you know, how would they go about that? What's your website? So Carrie4PA, C-A-R-R-I-E, 4PA.com. And I also 
I'm all over social media, Carrie Lewis Del Rosso for Lieutenant Governor, Instagram. I don't Twitter so much. Tweeting is more of a maintenance thing. And my life is not on social media. My life is actually being in the public um, and getting to people. So I don't spend all my life on my phone. But that's I, 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 am, I encourage people to, to reach out. Carrie4PA at gmail.com is my email address, too. And we'll get back with you. Now, that four, is that the, the number four or is that spelled F-O-R? No, it's spelled four. Okay. A-R-R-I-E-F-O-R-P-A.com. Well, thanks for clarifying that for us. Now, how can we help you here? You know, while, while we've given your web at, website address for listeners who might be interested in taking and helping volunteer for your campaign, what could you use? What resources is your campaign in need of that uh, you'd like our listeners to help with? Well, I will always welcome on-the-ground volunteers to get out my message. Right now, we are trying to plan for our next steps. I'm trying to take a break, but I don't take breaks very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then trying to enjoy my kids' sports and do things. If, if it's not raining, and, you know, Pittsburgh, we love to rain out here and get rained out. But, you know, these next couple of weeks, I'll be, I'll be taking actually a class at Pitt, uh, a world politics class, because I understand how much that affects us on the ground here. And I'm, honestly, I think what we need to be doing is keeping ourselves organized. So reaching out to the campaign, saying that you can volunteer in a certain respect to get the word out. I'll embrace it. When things start kicking up midsummer. I think we'll, we'll embrace that help. So, and Memorial Day is coming up. I'm hoping to visit the Memorial Day parade. There's some all over the state. I, did you know that Boldberg, um, Pennsylvania, was the home of the Memorial Day Parade? It's where it started, and that's in Center County. So I'm hoping to go there. Well, I did not know that. But, hey, listen, uh, you, you go to Center County for their parade, and we'll, we'll cover the parades here, you know. But <laughs> appreciate everything you're doing. Hey, folks, that is Carrie Lewis Del Rosso, our nominee for Lieutenant Governor. Carrie, thank you for having or for joining our show. We're going to have you back on here throughout the year. Okay. Thank you very much. You have a great day. Thanks. Bye bye. Elephant in the room with WJAS on thirteen twenty a.m. You know, John, I was talking and thanking some of our candidates. We were talking about them. Also, want to congratulate Steve Slock. Yeah, friend Steve, of ours. Yes, yep. Steve is the chair of uh, uh, the Plum Republican Committee, and he's running for the House seat out there currently held by Brandon Markozik. Uh, John, or excuse me, Steve defeated his opponent, John Ritter, out there, and uh, it was a close race. Yeah, two point three percent, latest numbers. Right. So it was a close race, and you know what? I, when we talk about these things, I like to just say, hey, I would like to thank all of the folks who stepped up as candidates here and ran for office here in the Republican Party. Uh, we couldn't do this without you, and I, I think it's an important, uh, an important thing for interested people to do. Our founders envisioned that the people that serve in government would be citizen leaders. You know, you you have a job, you do your job, but then you get together or you come, you run for office, and you go back to your job. They were against career politicians. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't all care about our community, our county, and our commonwealth. So I appreciate what you folks have done. Want to thank you all here right now. The other thing like to discuss here is, you know, primaries can also be divisive, especially within a party. And it's hard not to because people have friends, they have family, they have supporters. People line up on one side or the other. But again, we're all on the same team. We all want the same goal. 
I talked earlier about our Republican candidates for governor. We're all pro-life. We're all pro-gun. They're all pro-election reform. You know, they're all pro-anti-mandates, okay, such as the mask mandates on our kids in school, things like that. So we believe in a lot of the same things. So the judgment sometimes comes down to who do you think is best qualified, who do you think is best equipped, who do you think will do the best job, but that doesn't mean that uh, the person that doesn't come out of the primary with a win isn't a great individual and a great candidate themselves. And that's why I say, you know, we appreciate everything that they've done. And we urge folks after the primary got to come together because it's all hands on deck. If you help to win in November, what do you have to add, John? Uh, I couldn't agree more here. Um, Sometimes a divisive primary can leave battle scars and can really kind of plague the party for years after we've seen this. A great example was the, uh, the chairman's race for the state party a couple of years ago. I still remember how divisive that was, and it really kind of tore the party apart here. You know, before we wrap up the show here, let's not forget to plug uh, our two uh, the two congressional uh, races here that were in Allegheny County, both the 12th District, which our candidate was unopposed, but he has the great name Mike Doyle, which we think will will help him much in the uh, in the general election November here. And we also have the Pennsylvania 17th uh, district here that was won uh, by Jeremy Schaefer. Any thoughts on those two contests? No, I think we have two great candidates, I think, to carry the banner, you know, for Republicans here into these uh, congressional races this year. And we'd like to have both of those folks on our show in the next couple of weeks or in the future here. I think folks would love to learn more about them, what they stand for, what their plans for, what they'd like to fight for when they get to Congress. What, who else? Do you, who else do we have there, John? I think we've we've touched on most of the. Uh, I think we've touched on all the uh, campaigns here that are in Allegheny County. Let's talk about statewide. Yeah, and we had a couple folks, big names, you know, lost in the state house. Stan Saylor, long time, long time uh, Republican representative, lost his race in this primary. State Senator Pat Brown lost his race by just 30 votes. You know, it's it's sad to see some of these folks go. And I think that's one of the things I want to talk about, I guess, too, is, uh, you know, I think change is good, you know, but change for the sake of change, not necessarily. Now, I'm not talking about those two races, but I would just talk about right now, a lot of our voters are angry, you know, coming after the 2020 election, concerns about fraud, concerns about is the system rigged, you roll into this administration, which has been a disaster from almost day one. And like you heard Kerry talk about, you know, we have inflation at over 8%. We have gas prices are setting a record. You know, I went and uh, filled up yesterday at the Sam's Club in Robinson, and gas was $4.97 a gallon for premium. I mean, it cost me $93 to put gas in that tank. Okay? I mean, this is insane. You have the supply chain crisis with a formula shortage for infants, right? You have humiliation in Afghanistan. That's something that will take generations. We'll never live it down. You have chaos in the Ukraine, right? We have crime across this country. You know, you have an administration that's trying to censor folks, okay, with this disinformation group in the uh, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, I mean, it's just, it just never stops. <clears throat> you have a president who doesn't seem to know what day it is, turning around to shake hands with people that aren't there. Yeah, people are angry. They're scared. You know, how are they going to make ends meet? 
And, uh, you know, so I understand the need to make change, but I think what I'm looking for are people that want to make positive change. Okay. There's a lot of arsonists out there who are just angry, who want to just burn the place down. Okay. And this is rhetorical. I don't mean literally, but they just want to burn the place down. Okay. Because get rid of everybody, get rid of this, but that's not going to take and fix their problems. You know, I think that we need people that are willing to come in and get involved, turn that anger into energy, you know, and work on behalf of affecting the change themselves. You know, don't just stand out there and yell. And I'll explain. Going back, I think, I don't know if we talked about in a previous show, but uh, when I got involved in politics, I I was a sales guy. I, I made my living selling, okay? And I wanted to sell to Republicans, Democrats, independents alike. Never even talked or thought about politics. Because my job or my goal was to make money so that I could support my family. 2009, I started to get involved in politics. And I ended up getting involved in the Tea Party, where I became the president of a group called Veterans of Patriots United, which is the largest, was one of the largest Tea Party uh, groups in this Western Pennsylvania. And I led them as their president for six years. <clears throat> but it, you know, it was soon after, maybe in the first year, I realized that look. You can't just go out and hold up a sign and protest if you want to change. If you want to really affect change, you have to roll up your sleeves, get involved, you know, and work hard to do so. And that's what led me, you know, to running in 2012, you know, for my precinct committeeman position, and then chair, and then that's how this all steamrolled, you know, to to state committee, to county council, to you know, uh, chairman of my caucus on county council, to chairman of the Southwest Caucus on State Committee to chairman of RCAC here. It's the curse of competency. If you get in and you do something and you're not a disaster, you know, people are looking, you know, to find other roles for you, right? So, hey, for anybody listening, I'm all out of uh, bandwidth for I can't take on any more roles. (laughs) But I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, we're trying to build a party here. And not because it's about a party but it's about a better community. And we can only do that if we bring people into this party, if we bring people into our tent to vote for our candidates. You know, if you're unhappy with something, if you don't think that we're doing a good job, then we welcome your input and your suggestions. Would love to have you get involved, you know, and come in and, you know, sit on a committee to organize an effort, whatever it may be. But, but we're only as strong as our weakest link and when we're out there fighting against each other, n- none of us are going to reach or achieve the goals that we're looking for. You know, I, I kind of want to segue off that point here. You know, we forgot to uh, acknowledge all of our committee members that won their local races. We had about about 440-ish that whose names were on the ballot. And that, pro- and that doesn't include, I would say, maybe about 25 to 35 people that probably ran writing candidates here. So we're excited about a new crop of uh, committee members here that are essentially the grassroots of the party. So we're excited about kind of reorganizing after this primary here and uh, bringing them on board and welcoming them to the party. I appreciate you bringing that up because you're right. You know, when uh, and two years ago in 2020, only 289 people ran to be precinct committee men. So with the 440 number, we're like 50% over where we were just two years ago. So we do have energy in the party. We do have enthusiasm. We do have people wanting to get involved, you know. And in addition to the county committee, we also reelect members of, of state committee, 
this past uh, this past weekend. Do you have that list there, John? Uh, actually, I don't have that list in front of us, but I believe it's. I can tell you some of the folks. Yeah, you know, I was uh, fortunate enough to earn the voters' trust and win for the state committee at large. I know Herb Olinger and Kevin Tatolian won, and I think it was District Forty Two. I know Ed Cress, Mike McMullen, Kelsey McCurry, and Meredith Dolan won out in the 38th. In the 37th, it was uh, Rachel Armstrong, Sue Means, and Pam Ank. And we had John Wink, and we had Luis Oliverio. And I'm sorry we forgot you, <laughs> you know, because we don't have it in front of us. We'll get you next week. <clears throat> but yeah, so we had a lot of state committee members win. I know uh, Len Young went out his way. David Jernick. Dave Majernick, David Sue. Sue. You know, Vicki Rossler. You know, I know in the city, Mallory Hodge, she won. Um, Ryan Rabia. Ryan Rabia, yep. We do have the largest delegation of state committee yeah, members. Yeah, we have 23, right? We have 23, 23 members on state committee. So it's hard to remember all those folks, you know, from Tuesday. But we'll, we'll give you a, an updated report here in the coming weeks. But folks, listen, we appreciate you, you know, sitting in today listening to us as we talk about the results of the election and things like that. There's going to be a lot more of this coming forward. Hopefully we'll be able to give you on the next show resolution, you know, the uh, state of the U S Senate race here in Pennsylvania between David McCormick, who lives in Allegheny County, Allegheny County's own resident and, uh, Mehmet Oz, you know, uh, you know, known as Dr. Oz, who lives from Hunt East. And you know what? I think one of the fascinating things, John, that I saw, is on top of how close this race is, I mean, you look at um, Dave McCormick was able to achieve this despite not receiving the endorsement from President Trump. And President Trump even came in here. He came to uh, Westmoreland County and did a rally for Mehmet Oz and uh, he's done at least two, if not three, telephone town halls. So he's been very, uh, he's been very effective and trying to help Oz win this seat. You know, Sean Hannity, somebody that many of our listeners, you know, listen to, uh, is also is a good friend of Dr. Oz, had him on, you know, almost every night. So, you know, I think uh, McCormick's performance is all the more, more remarkable, you know, with the headwinds he was facing because of all of that. And, you know, I think the president, I, obviously I don't speak for the president, but I think, you know, some of the criticism he leveled at McCormick, you know, was to try to justify maybe the pick or the endorsement candidate that he had, being that there was some pushback there. But you know what? Hey, listen, we're happy to get behind any of these candidates because the alternative would be John Fetterman. And folks, if that's not a scary sight, you haven't seen John in his in his black shorts and black shirt, you know, out there all six foot nine of them. So, um, yeah, we hope to uh, hope to have the uh, winner of that for you next week. John, do you have anything else to add? No, I think we touched on all of, our, all of the points. We highlighted all the candidates, and we, uh, we're looking forward to a strong slate of candidates in the fall. Well, folks, want to take this opportunity to just thank you and uh, appreciate your listening. Look forward to uh, hearing to, to seeing you next week. Uh, this is Sam DeMarco from The Elephant in the Room on WJAS at 1320 a.m.